My father uh, played softball for most of his life. And I remember even as a, a little kid, my sister and I would accompany him on tournaments throughout, throughout the United States. He was, he was pretty good. And uh, I don't remember <clears throat> exactly when he stopped playing, but I remember it was a big deal. He just physically, you know, it became too difficult. He was a pitcher, and dodging those line drives became hazardous, you know, at a certain point. So I think it was in his mid to late 50s he stopped. Um, but I still remember, uh, of course, as a kid, you know, getting a new glove, and then Dad saying, okay, it's a new glove, you know, it's stiff. I don't know, maybe they make them better today. But anyway, back then, it's stiff. You got to get saddle soap on it, rub it in, and put it under your mattress and sleep on it for a week, you know. Some, some of you, I'm sure, know. And then it softens up, you know. It softens up and it gets more, I don't know, malleable and... Um, so earlier this year, when we were going through some things at my mom's house, I found his glove, his softball glove. And um, knowing my dad, it was the original softball glove he ever bought. Um, well, not quite that bad. But if it had been 20 years since he played, he probably had that glove for, for a good 10 years. So it's a pretty old glove. So I was just looking at it yesterday. You know, and looking it over, and it's, uh, it's got his name on the D. Eric, Denny Eric, MSP. He used to work for the airlines, Minneapolis-St. Paul. So, obviously, if you lost the glove, they'd know what city to send it to. <laughs> you know, and then I'm, I'm looking through, you know, and, and, of course, all the sweat, you know, from his hand and the inner of his glove. And you, you look at the rest of the glove, and it's just worn, you know, it's not broken, but it's worn. It's worn in. It's, it's, uh, it's been really used, you know. It's, been, it's a, it's a well-used glove, which is what you want. Because when you're playing ball, you, you want a glove that is like an extension of your hand, really. It's, it's integral to, you know, being able to field well. And so you want a glove that's really easy to open. And, and so... You know, to, to get to that point, you've got to wear it, wear it out. It has to be worn out, sort of. A fresh glove is not so good. But a worn glove is like an appendage. So I was just reminiscing, you know, looking at his glove and, and thinking about him and, you know, how many experiences we, we shared around baseball. I, I still remember the, uh, so dad was from Minnesota, which obviously creates a problem with football. But with baseball, it wasn't so bad. I wasn't a, a huge Brewers fan. But uh, I remember the 90, 91 World Series, seventh game, Jack Morris pitches a, pitches a complete game, 10 innings, and uh, Minnesota wins one to nothing with a single at the bottom of the 10th. And my dad just jumped up, and his cigarette went flying, and almost burned down the house. You're so excited. But the glove, you know, worn, beaten in, beaten up, dirt and sweat. Thinking about Christ the King. What kind of king is this? What kind of king is this that's led before Pilate, arrested, seemingly powerless? 
What kind of king and God is this that is taken out then afterward and tortured and beaten, whipped, mocked, spat upon, and then raised up on this cross, an instrument of capital punishment, and ultimately where he dies? What kind of king is this that allows himself or he's so powerless that he allows the people that he was king of to kill him. What kind of God is this that allows himself to die? When Paul would go and preach to the Greeks, he would talk to them about this God who died and they, they mocked him. Gods don't die. He's not a God. Sorry, Paul, he's not a God if he died. But this king allowed himself to be killed, this king and God allowed himself to die. And he allowed himself to be seen upon his throne, which was a cross. When you hear about the visions of John in Revelation, John sees this vision of a lamb, right? this vision of heaven, this vision of a lamb standing as one slain, standing, but having the marks of having been killed. Seeming contradiction. If he had been killed, he wouldn't be standing. Why is he standing upon his throne, victorious, still showing the marks of his death? The second person of the Trinity takes on our human nature, Jesus Christ. And as he lives his life, he begins to bear our wounds. And ultimately, he gets more and more wounds. But he suffers. He kind of gets worn out, sort of beaten up, really. And then ultimately, he dies upon the cross. But when he ascends to the Father, he retains this connection with our human nature. He's always human and divine after the incarnation, which we'll be celebrating here in just a few weeks. But even in heaven, he bears the marks on his hands and his feet and his side and his head. He bears the marks of having been killed. God has allowed himself to be marked by evil for all of eternity. He has allowed himself to bear the marks which won our salvation. The cause of those marks are our sins. He's allowed sin and evil to mark him and to remain with him for all of eternity. So that even in heaven, when we gaze upon him, as John had that vision, even in heaven as we gaze upon him, we will see how much he loved us how much he bore for us. He was worn. He was marked by sin and evil. Not his sin, but the effects of our sin. He was marked by evil, worn out. This is the kind of king we have. Not a king who's far away, but a king who enters into it with us, life. And then he says, this is the way. This is the way through it. 
It's not to escape the suffering and the marks and the burdens. It's to endure them and to allow, allow those marks, those marks of, of sin or of suffering or of sacrifice, allow those marks to be marks of victory. This past week, I went to anoint a man. Um, many times during the week, I, I do, of course, anoint. And so I was called, and, and he was very close to death. And I walked in the room, and he was breathing really, really fast, you know, that shallow breathing, so you know the end is near. But I looked upon his face, and it was just weathered. It bore the marks of a life that probably had all kinds of suffering and sin and sacrifice. And he was so close to eternity, you could feel it. And I thought, this is what it's like. This is what it should be like for all of us. We go through life, we bear the wounds, we bear the scars, the marks, but those marks, that being worn out, worn in, is a mark of how God has touched us and how much we have traveled with him. And those marks become crowns of victory. And so we soldier on. Every single one of us has so many you know, different, uh, different difficult things to bear, sufferings and sacrifice and things that nobody else knows. There are those of you here carrying heavy, heavy burdens today that no one knows, but God knows. God knows what you're bearing. And you bear those sufferings. And you allow the Lord to transform those sufferings so that every single one of us will be transformed in the end and will be with our King in paradise. Please stand.